This is a special presentation of Sam's Radio Interview on WXRW, Drive Time from Riverwest. You're listening to Drive Time from Riverwest. My name is Martin, and I'm here with my co-host today, Greg. Hey, Greg. Hey. Greg, when you were little, did you get into fights? I'm yeah, I, I certainly did. And actually I got in so many that I got in uh, a good bit of trouble in my teens <laughs> and I continued it when I was in the army, I actually got busted down for getting in fights in the barracks, believe it or not. Oh, that's funny. Cause there were guys bigger than you. Greg is in, uh, is a nice guy until you think, Oh, he could take me apart. Um, because like, <laughs> yeah, it's, those days are long past. And I feel like violence is different now than it was when we were younger. One, you know, like the there was two things that were happening. Muhammad Ali, right, right as a as a boxer, the most famous boxer, and then there was the All Star Wrestling or whatever it was called oh, in the region. And so a, you had the Crusher a, and yeah, Purple. First, first there was the AWA wrestling, and then it switched to, or maybe it was AWF, and then it switched to WWF, and that's when all the costumes started getting really glitzy and stuff like that. Yeah, my my dad and I used to watch the first one and we'd watch guys like you know george the animal steel or the baron von raschke with his claw thing and it, it was it was quite a treat and i never was, got to see it face to face but and it was kind of confusing um as a child um and who then, were the good guys who were the bad guys oh yeah. well just like what physical violence actually meant oh right right because right? like uh you know, we watched uh you know all-star wrestling or whatever it was called and then me and my neighbor would you know wrestling and we'd end up getting a little hurt Right. And yeah. then you see boxing and you see you know, people getting punched in the face and punched in the chest repeatedly. think, well, that can't be too bad. And then, as you know, you get in a street fight well, and holy cow, it's... it first of all, your adrenaline is going, which is tiring. Yeah. And then punching you know, somebody the first few times, it, it's a little bit you know, timid before you realize, oh, I got to punch as if I'm going through the chest. Yeah. And then you know, like um, and then fights, you know, in my experience, were very, very quick. Yeah. Very quick. They're yeah. nothing like on TV. And then you have, you know, like, if you win, you'd think, yay, I won a fight, except it immediately, you know, and again, I was very young and there was nothing yeah. terrible, but you immediately have regret, like, oh, God, I kind of hurt him. <laughs> yeah, and you might also get in trouble and your hands hurt. That's exactly and, right. Yeah. The next day, geez, you know, like, I ache all over, which you don't know right away. Exactly, yeah. Um, and so with that... <laughs> That's our segue into our guest. Yeah, well, it's funny because, yeah, all-star wrestling is fake, except no, it still hurts. This is a great thing to have our, our guest comment on. So we have Sam from the Southpaw Podcast. And the Southpaw Podcast is is pretty unique, and that's part of why I wanted to bring Sam in. He does a lot of MMA analysis, but he also um, brings in guests and does research on uh, leftist gyms, physical fitness, uh, going way back into the history of it. Um, and actually, he and I were just talking about Turner Hall recently, which kind of fits into that that story. And they did an episode on uh, mentioning Turner Hall oh, nice. a while back. Well, welcome Sam Yang to Drive Time from River West. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So, you know, you heard us talking a little bit about this uh, transition from the fighting that we, we had as kids to, to, you know, MMA. I mean, I think Martin's right. MMA really changed everything, didn't it? You know, it changed more things than people realize. I mean, before we even get into culture, just think about 
movies and TV, connecting back to pro wrestling, right? Yeah. When people, when pro wrestling was popular, especially the regional stuff that you're talking about, you, you turn on an old, well, at the time, not even an old, but a, a TV show at the time from the 60s, 70s. And the fight, fighting on TV or movies looked a lot like pro wrestling. You would see, like, like look at uh, the original Star Trek. Right. You would see so much crossbody, double yeah. axe handle, karate yeah. chops. But it wasn't just Star Trek. It was like Westerns. That You know why? Because even though people back then mostly knew pro wrestling was fake, they still thought, okay, you know, mentioning Muhammad Ali, they're like, okay, um, boxing, professional fighting looks like that. But everybody knew that's not what street fighting looked like. And they thought street fighting, you know, non-prize uh, fighting, non-boxing looked yeah. like pro wrestling. Pro wrestling was just a fake version of it. So I don't know if if pro wrestling just like kind of tricked people into believing that, but you look at how fight scenes in during that era of heyday, what it looked like on TV and movies, it looked a lot like pro wrestling, it, it, even imitating a lot of those moves, even like drop kicks. And then now with MMA, because MMA like changed it, it's like, this is what it really looks like, which really street fights don't look like that either. Yeah. But now TV and movies have to up their game and make it look more like MMA than pro wrestling. So it led to a difference in choreography, right? Is what you yeah. could say? I mean, I remember yeah. like watching uh, movies like Lethal Weapon in the 80s or, you know, when Steven Seagal first came out and before he kind of, you know, went off whatever deep end, well, maybe several <laughs> deep ends he's gone into, you know, you'd watch these or a great example was uh, when Jean-Claude Van Damme came out in that. Was it Bloodsport? Was that the name of the movie mm -hmm. that had the the big competition? And we'd get to see mm -hmm. all these people doing different styles, you know. And yes. then we think, oh well, that's that's the thing to imitate. <laughs> we try out some of the techniques, yeah. and of course, we didn't, you know, they they wouldn't work for us at all because uh, it's it's not real. But mm -hmm. so so was there like several transitions? Because MMA, we're really talking about '90s onward, aren't we? Yeah, and even MMA transition, right? Because MMA early on with the first uh, UFC looked a lot like blood sports where it's style versus style. Mm. So it looked like somebody playing basketball versus somebody playing badminton. It just did not gel well. And so a lot of fights, a lot of the brutality was in how awkward it was because they were playing two different games, two different physical games, right? Yeah. One person was trying to grapple. The other person was trying to punch. One person was trying to punch. The other person was trying to kick. So would you that know, would one that person lead was to doing like, more like spinning moves? Would that lead to like greater risk of injury then on the part of the participants because it's less controlled? Yeah, I think this, oh, of course, because I think like pro wrestling, where if your partner knows how to catch you and spot you, then the bumps aren't ne nearly as bad. But whenever you hear about the really bad injuries where people pro wrestlers almost die or get seriously injured, it's because there was some kind of miscommunication in uh, how they work together because it's supposed to be like a dance, right? But in MMA, especially in the early days, because they were doing two different dances, the injuries were a lot worse. Whereas now you get more injuries coming from consecutive blows, right? Okay. Because they both are playing the game of MMA, so they both know how to what the game is, how there's, you know, somebody shoots in, you, you both know how to wrestle. Somebody punches, you both know how to punch and block. Whereas back then, you you two weren't on the same page so the the you can't even imitate the injuries you would get back then because it would just be like how did that happen well i had to be doing this and the other person had to be doing that yeah right so like one person might be doing a spinning kick 
And then the other person might be like doing a move from some completely different martial art. And you've never seen those interact before or, or crash into each other. And then, yeah, people get hurt. Yeah. So shifting topic a little bit, and I want, I want you to have an opportunity to talk about the, the podcast and, you know, why you started it and how it's been going. So MMA analysis is a big part of what you do, but you also mm-hmm. do all of this sort of historical and sociological research as well, bringing on, mm-hmm. on guests, doing a lot of it yourself. Um, the longer episodes, I think, tend, I mean, some of them can be quite long, right? Uh, more, yeah. more, than, more than an hour. I think there's actually some that are several hours. Um, so mm-hmm. what got you inspired to start with, to, to do a podcast about um, leftist it's not just martial arts. It's also exercise in general um, and, mm-hmm. and history. What, what, I mean, how, how did you get started with that in the first place? Um, I think there's two converging things happening. It was during Trump's uh, first, uh, Trump's tenure as president and heading into the next election, right? Mm. And uh, the other part was I, I was injured. My back was out. So I used to be training all the time, like sometimes twice a day, six days a week, which gets harder to do as you get into your 30s and 40s. But uh, so a lot of my time was spent just training. So I didn't really have time outside of because I was working and training and teaching. Outside of that, I didn't really have time to do any other pursuits. But when I got injured, I had a time to apply a lot of the things I had learned and thought about. And then on top of that, you have Trump, which kind of was an mask off moment for martial arts so i'm when i say martial arts i'm including all of it from combat sports like mma yeah. to traditional martial arts all of it because there's always been this like a toxic masculinity in that world with a veneer of like you know discipline and philosophy but you know being a philosopher you go into a gym and you listen to what they think is philosophy and it's like just self-help and cliches they never they never were rooted in real philosophy to 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 stop and question a lot of that toxic masculinity. So with Trump, then it just became mask mask off and a lot of these YouTube shows and podcasts and yeah. personalities in martial arts. From that, so going back to not just MMA, from Chuck Norris even, they started talking a lot about politics and Trump and a lot of fitness people were also talking about politics and Trump. So right-wing politics was already engaging in, you know, talking about martial arts and lifestyle, but there was no alternative for that, right? So I wanted to present an alternative and see who else was interested because even if there aren't that many of us, you know, you, you still at least want one show to be, to be an alternative, right? So that's kind yeah. of how it started. I had the time and wanted to, uh, and had a reason to do it. So on, on the one hand, you're reacting to a presence crisis unfolding you could say and looking mm-hmm. to the future but a lot of the episodes um particular the ones that i'm particularly interested in are, are retrospective looking back at uh past models for uh and this goes beyond martial arts for for leftist sports leagues and and things like that um and do you see those as as uh providing us with with viable models for the present um, I don't know if I have goals like that. I think I've talked to you before about okay. like, I don't really have goals. I just put out stuff and see, see if people find it interesting. Yeah. A lot of that though fell into my lap because when I started this, we were initially only talking about 
uh, boxing and MMA, maybe a little bit of pro wrestling. Um, but, you know, talking a little bit about the elections at the time. But then the initial listeners and the people who started following us had backgrounds. Like some of them were uh, historians and academics. So they, so they would just hit me up and be like, would you like, you know, can I come on your show and talk about this topic? And I'm like, what's the topic? And they would start telling me a little bit about these movements and the history of this. And I'm like completely fascinated. I'm like, yeah. okay, come on the show. We need to talk about it. So a lot of it happened organically like that. And we're uh, talking to Sam of Southpaw Podcast here on Drive Time from River West. Yeah, so that that's very interesting because uh, that means that the podcast itself grew in, in ways that a lot of podcasts don't through, as you said, an organic engagement with the audience, them bringing their their talents, their interest, and most importantly, their their research forward. Yeah, yeah I would say 80% of my guests and people who've come on have been listeners. Wow. That is, you know, I, I think that's um, quite extraordinary. Maybe partially uh, a, a reason for that is like, I am shy to reach out to people. And so it was just easier to reach out to people that I was already talking to, or it was easier for them to reach out, for allow them to reach out to me. And I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds good. Come on. Well, there's that side, but there also has, I mean, they have to be interested. They, they have to have like listened to the show and, and had the idea, I would like to be on this show. And, and I, I don't know that that happens with all that many podcasts. I mean, part of it could be, like you said, what you're doing is, rather unique and there aren't a lot of people in the space although i i imagine you probably hope to see other people in the space right mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely we're trying to grow that within our own podcast feed where we're trying to feature other shows on the same feed there isn't enough listeners to, to have all of us on separate podcast feeds so we just turned southpaw into a podcast network and then just like had other creators just do their show on this feed. I saw something about that, and I think it slipped my my mind. So talk a little bit more about that and uh, about this idea of turning it into a network rather than just a particular show. That, I think that's a really interesting idea. Yeah, starting with the idea of being an alternative voice, right? In that theme, if I'm an alternative voice, after a while, if I'm the only voice you hear, then it itself becomes just kind of like status quo. So yeah. I want to bring on other voices besides just myself. So you don't just hear my thoughts about everything. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a lot yeah. of it is, uh, you know, a lot of times people end up running something by themselves, not because they're like a bully or a boss. <laughs> a lot of people are very shy. I think, especially in the space of left, not just leftists. What does that mean? It means an inclusive space. So there's a lot of marginalized identities right. who were interested. But, you know, I think because of, uh, you know, being traumatized by society, they always thought their voice wasn't good enough um, or they, their thoughts didn't matter or, you know, a lot of, a lot of self-doubt. So, you know, this was in the works for a long time. It was just about coaxing some of these folks to actually like, you should do it. You know, your yeah. voice is as worthy as anybody else. So a lot of people were just interested, but like very timid to do it for a long time. So it was mostly me for a while, just out of default. So eventually it, it, it leads to formation of a community that goes beyond the initial, uh, we'll say founders, right? Mm -hmm. 
I mean, there's a similar dynamic here with the the station that that you're on. I mean, this is community radio, um, kind of mm. a, a rather unique thing. It's you know, there's there's public radio, but that's still you know public broadcasting corporations that are that are doing that. This is genuine community radio. I'm sitting like you know right across from the uh, station manager who is my my co-host here, and a- anybody who is willing to fulfill certain requirements, like obviously you have to follow the FCC, you know, don't say these words on on the air and uh, learn how to use the circuit boards and stuff like that. Anybody can come in and, and do a show and people do and there's a wide range of it. Um, so it's kind of it's a similar model, I think, to what you and your what should we call them collaborators are doing with the Southpaw mm-hmm. podcast slash network. Yeah, maybe it's because I also grew up in Portland, Oregon for a while, and they had a lot of community radio. We would just call it college radio, even though it wasn't necessarily only for yeah. college people to do. But a lot of the, I guess the around the times I was listening around like eight or nine at night, it was a lot of like people uh, who were in college playing music they liked. But yeah, grew up around listening to a lot of that community radio, which you could tell was different from NPR because it, uh, the person who was hosting was also doing all the technical stuff and engineering, you know? Yeah, that well, that's exactly the way it is here. Now, I, I can't say that I'm particularly good on the board. When I when we were here in studio, I've usually got somebody else handling that. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it is a similar uh, dynamic, and it offers the possibility for all sorts of relationships that you wouldn't have in a more hierarchically structured, you know, yeah. organization, I think. I'm not knocking public It's radio, exactly like but, that. Yeah. Even with what we're doing, because a lot of times with the the other collaborators, I'm like, okay, this is the mic you're going to use. And, you know, it, it went from even how to set up a stand, what programs to download, uh, how to record, how to do, um, you know, how to like cue uh, certain segments, all these kind of things I have to teach myself how to slate something, right? Yeah. Uh, all those things I had to teach myself and then teaching it to them so they could do that autonomously. Do you do you envision them some of them like spinning off outside of the network and doing their own thing and then you know just coming back on every once in a while or Oh yeah, I mean I I tell them like this is your show, you own it. So, you know, we're we're you're playing it here and if you want to take it somewhere else, go ahead, you know. It's your thing. And it, and same thing with like how long you want to do this. You know, there's no contract or anything. You do this for as long as you want to. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. If you don't want to come out with an episode every month, you don't have to. If you want to come out with an episode every week, you can. It's very much self-governing do that you, way. There's find, no expectations. Do you find that when you when you make it like that and you have less limits, less structure, that people produce more? They're they're freer, so there's less pressure, and so they can then generate more. Or what's your, what's your you know, experience? That sounds nice, right? <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know if that really does that either. I think. It's a, a part of it is to just to pr- take the pressure off of them, but also take the pressure off of me because having expectations, you know, yeah. as somebody who teaches about stoicism, having my own expectations just sets me up to feel crummy about things. So it's just like takes us both off the hook yeah. in that way if we have no expectations. I don't like being a boss either, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, having to, uh, to you know, follow up follow on things up. like that, that's, that's not always so much fun. But as far as like it, whether that actually produces more output, I, I don't know. Let's let's talk a little bit more about the uh, the podcast. Like, 
we, so you've got a network now. Uh, and one of the things that you've been doing recently that we didn't talk about yet is uh, discussions of financial literacy. What got you into yeah. thinking about that? Because that, there's no like direct connection between that and MMA or you know um, all all the history stuff that that you're doing. But it, but it's very important. Mm-hmm. I think kind of like the alternative thing. There's such uh, uh, one sidedness about talking about this topic where it's taught by the people who want to promote the things that makes life harder for us. Right, the people yeah. who benefit from exploitation are the ones who are teaching the, the classes on it, writing the books about it, um, writing the articles about it, running you know, online courses about it, having shows about it. So yeah. I wanted to give a, another perspective on it. I don't even want to say left wing because I feel like a lot of this is like, you know, history has a slant in so far as like, if you just tell the truth, some people will like the truth and some people won't. So because <laughs> yeah. of their own feelings about that, they'll say it as a slant, right, right? Right. Then you're saying truth as a slant. So I'm just trying to give a very honest answer. So a lot of uh, the way the financial uh, education series works is people kind of like a radio show, send me questions and kind of like Dear Abby style, I, I answer them. But some of the questions are obviously kind of like dunks. They're trying to make a joke in the question, not a joke at me, but a, a criticism. But still, I won't make a joke out of it. I will still answer earnestly. And sometimes those type of types of gotcha questions like what is money yeah i will spend 30 minutes explaining what that is i think how it also connects to the overall arching project is like going back to your youth the way uh violence worked or the way domination worked was physical dominance you know somebody was trying to dominate you or you dominated somebody else but that's how it was when you were younger is physical dominance right but as adults even if you are still six foot five and very strong for your size, it doesn't matter anymore. You will, you can get financially dominated. Right, right. So it, it's it's still this idea of domination and subjugation, right? So it's still about arming yourself with knowledge and, and also not feeling, not having somebody like judge you and make you feel stupid about it. One of the things I do try to do in the series is I don't try to give prescription or judgment. I just, it's more of a matter of fact, just a facts ma'am style, like this is what it is. This is how it works. Your context and your situation, uh, I don't know what it is. I actually compare it to how I teach martial arts. I even say that in the series where I teach you these moves, but I can't, I don't know what scenarios you're going to be in. And I don't want to make up a scenario like you're going to get mugged in a blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. This is how the move works. This is how the idea of the move works. You decide how you want to use that in your life or when the situation arises, this is something that you can think about, right? So I do the same thing where I leave it more open-ended so that you could decide how this benefits you, how you can apply this knowledge. Well, that is really something to to think about. I, I think there's a lot of guilt associated around money, and oh, yeah. and things like that. So we've been uh, talking with Sam from the Southpaw Podcast, uh, which you can find, I think, pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. I listen to it through Apple Podcasts myself. And uh, the, the the podcast is is now a, a network, as as you've heard, and uh, mm-hmm. so you can easily find it online. Um, Sam, thanks so much for for joining us. This has been a great conversation. I hope we can do this again in the future. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. And appreciate, appreciate both of you for having me on and both of you for what you do. All 
right. Thanks again. And that is the Southpaw Podcast. Thank you, Sam Yang. We'll be right back on Drive Time from River West.